Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast. My name is Louis Cameron, speaking to you after day one of the SCG test where just 46.5 overs were possible. Well, it was a largely even contest, one that's been sorely lacking in this series so far, but it was played out amidst a fair bit of rain. David Warner, Marcus Harris and Manus Labuschagne all made starts. But England's quicks bowled nicely to get the Aussies three down by stumps. A short time ago, I spoke to Ricky Ponting to get all his thoughts on the day's play. Proudly brought to you by HCL, the official digital technology partner of Cricket Australia. I'm here with Ricky Ponting after day one of the SCG test where Australia is three for 126. Ricky, did you feel like the Aussies might have let things slip a little bit or is there enough in that pitch to uh, suggest that uh, they're on par- on track for a good score? Uh, look, they, they might feel they've let it slip a little bit just because a couple of established players have sort of have got in and got out, which is what you know hasn't really happened in this series so, so far for the Aussies. Once you know Harris has got in or Warner's got in or Marnus has got in, they've tended to go on and make a big score, particularly in the first innings of the game, which is why Australia are in the position that they are in the series, to be honest. But um, look, I think even at the back end of the day's play, you know, it's 47th over, there, there was still some sideways movement there and there's enough bounce there, as we saw. So um, it's been a pretty even contest so far. I think one thing that we have to give credit for is for, for England for fighting back late in the day the way that they did. Their last hour and a half's cricket was actually probably some of the best that they've played. And once again, probably on the back of uh, their best bowler, James Anderson, just one spell where he, you know, he, he picked up um, he picked up the wicket of Marcus Harris and and tightened up the scoreboard. Australia didn't really move far, so um, it's it pretty evenly poised right now. Uh, obviously, with two very good players at the crease and and Green and and Kerry to come, Australia will, would want to make sure they post a total, you know, is in excess of three hundred because right through the day it has looked like a, a pretty good surface to bat on. We've talked a lot about England's selection uh, over the first three tests. Do you feel like they've maybe finally picked an 11 that, that is best suited to the conditions? Yeah, and I think that that same 11 would have been best suited to all conditions that they've played in, to be <laughs> honest, so far in, in the series. I mean, we, we know that there were you know circumstances that probably prevented them from being able to pick exactly who they might have wanted to for the Brisbane test, which then had flow over into Adelaide and Melbourne. But um no, you can just see that. I mean, the class of Anderson. Anderson just had to play in Brisbane, simple as that. He's his spell in all the way he bowled in Melbourne, the way he bowled again today. Um, you know, he's the he's the standout in that English attack. You know, the fact that Broad was able to get Warner out the way that he did today was what we all expected was going to you know be Warner's biggest um, uh, challenge, I guess, coming into the series. So um, yeah, they, they have they have looked like a pretty good bowling attack this game. That's for sure. It's the 13th time uh, Stuart Broad's gotten David Warner out. I know they've played a lot of cricket against each other, so that number is probably inflated a little bit. Is it, um, I mean, is it the kind of thing where you might actually be quite happy with, with how Dave batted, given, you know, he got a he got 30 and, and you know, saw off the, the toughest part of the day? Oh, yes and no. I think it was actually some good bowling from Broad as well that led to that dismissal. You know, it sort of not set him up, but he fed him with a few drives and then just dragged the length back a little bit and, 
you know, that the ball that does challenge the left-handers when Broad's around the wicket is one that just, just does leave them uh, slightly and quite late in the air. And if you have a look at the replay of that ball, it was exactly that. You know, he had the Broad had the, the angle of the seam sort of pointed towards the slips a little bit, looking for that around the wicket outswinger. And probably because Warner had got a few of those drives away as well, he might have been just a little bit overconfident. And as I said, the, the length was just a little bit back of the couple of drives that he got away and he ended up nicking it. So, you know, we, we've been critical of England through the, the summer already for not bowling full enough because they, they haven't been willing to get driven. But sometimes you've got to give a little up to, to get something in return. And he gave up three or four or five, bound, I think, drive boundaries today before they got Warner on the drive, but they finally got their man. Yeah, and that's something you've uh, you've been quite strong on throughout this series. It was interesting to hear you say there that Warner might have been a touch overconfident against Broad. It's not a position he would have been in uh, been in against him too often recently. I mean, is that that around the wicket challenge? Is is I mean, Dave said uh, after the MCG test that you know maybe the twenty twenty three Ashes is not beyond him. Is that around the the wicket angle always just going to be the the challenge for him? Yeah, I think so. And I think it is for Marcus Harris as well. And even Aussie, a lot of our, you know, we've seen a lot of our left top order left-handed players the last couple of years struggle with that angle. It hasn't just been broad. It was, you know, Archer in that last series as well. Um, and it's a, it's an unusual angle because they've got, those guys have got that natural ability to be able to take the ball away from the left-hander, even with the ball angling in. That's where it becomes, you know, such a huge challenge because they, They'll look to do that more often than not. And as we saw with Broad in, in 2019 in England, the, the scrambled seam one that comes back into the left-hander becomes a, a real issue for them as well. So it's a great skill to have. Um, and it's and I, I, I don't just think it's it's not just this England group either to the, our Australian batters. I mean, remember India did it uh, almost every single ball of that last series out here. Mm. Or every one of their quicks went around the wicket to our, to our left-handers. It's, um, it's, a, it's a growing tactic in the game and, and one that I don't think a lot of you know, left-handed top-order batters have actually come to grips with. This might be a crude way of putting it, but if it's such an effective tactic against left-handers, not just uh, Warner and, and Harris, as you're saying, why did it take bowlers so long to uh, to, to kind of adopt it? I think it's the fact that they've actually come up with a skill to be able to take the ball away mm. from that angle. You know, I don't think that was ever that easy to do. I think you had to be pretty much a big outswing sort of a yeah a big outswing bowler to, to left-handers to be able to generate that and there have not, never been a lot of those in the game I mean Anderson's natural angle was that way McIrantini would be, would have been one one in the clock back that would have been exceptionally hard for left-handers to face from from around the wicket because of the angle that he created and that late outswing he would have got from from there but I think it's you know I, I said I think Stuart Broad stumbled across this tactic to Warner in 2019 to try and slow his scoring down. It was about taking his offside angle away from him mm. and it ended up becoming a, a huge wicket-taking option for them. So, um, yeah, and, and it's, it's always been a tactic to highlight that about the skill. It's always been a tactic that bowlers have used when the ball's reverse swung. It's always mm. been easier for them to get that away swing than when the ball's reverse swung rather than trying to swing it away with a new ball. Do you feel like Marcus Harris is growing in confidence as this series goes on? I know it was only 38 today, but um, slightly tricky conditions. Do you feel like he's, he's developing a little bit? Yeah, I do. I, I think he looked... Well, I mean, every time he's gone out to battle, I think he's actually looked quite comfortable. Um, you know, he played and missed a lot in, in Melbourne, but it was that sort of wicket. Um, he, he definitely looks at, at home at test level. I said that the first test innings he played, I think it was in Perth um, against India on that fiery wicket over there. Um Everything, everything he did, he, he looked at home. His defence looked good. You know, front and foot, um, front and back foot defence looked good. He plays well square of the wicket. He drives nicely. 
one thing I liked today was he was very patient and made them come to him. And when they got straight, he worked them really well through the leg side. But it's just, it just seems to me that there's just a lack of intent with his front foot defence, which again today sort of got caught in the middle of nowhere, you know, on the crease to a ball that he probably could have taken a stride forward to and left or even gone back and across and let go. Um, and there are a couple of other uh, instances in the in the day, even when I was, I was on comms, where you can just see that he's a little bit reluctant to get a good stride forward. And he ends up sort of moving his front foot again after he's played his forward defensive shot. I mean, that's something that he'll work on. And I'm sure that's something he'll actually come the more confidence he gets as well. The more confidence he's got in his in his defensive game and um, that, that'll come. But he, he did, he did look good today. I, I thought a, I thought a big innings was there for the taking for him. Is there anything in particular that um, would have triggered that? Obviously a guy who's grown up playing on Perth wickets where you, I, you know, I'm not the expert here, but you know, foot, foot movement is not as important as, as potentially other places. Is that potentially where it, it stems from or am I reading too much into that? Yeah, it's an interesting one because one thing you have to be able to do in Perth um, you say you probably don't have to move your feet quite as much, but you have to be really selective of what you play and what you leave because of the extra bounce there. So you still have to be very decisive with your decision-making, maybe not so much your footwork, but um, look, there could be a little bit of that. Obviously, you know, he's not the tallest, he's not the tallest guy in the world either. So getting a big stride forward is probably not that easy for him. Um, but I just look at it, you know, his, his dismissal in the, in Melbourne was a bit the same, wasn't it? Where it was sort of half and half caught on the crease, poor defense shot, nicked a slip. And it was a little bit the same today. And so, yeah, as I said, I, I reckon it's something, just watching the way that he plays, I, I reckon it's something that he works on constantly anyway. And I, I think it'll eventually come um, into his game in test, at, at test level when he gets a bit more confidence because he can't score as many runs as he does in first-class cricket without having a pretty good de- defence as an opener. Well, I'm interested in those two in particular because I want to ask you about the opening partnership going forward and now looking ahead to... Um, as Pat Cummins has uh, in the last um, last little bit since winning the Ashes, these tours of Pakistan and then Sri Lanka later this year. When Australia went to their last subcontinental tour, it was against Pakistan and the UAE, Aaron Finch and Uzma Khawaja actually opened the batting. Do you need to look at the type of openers that you take to the subcontinent? Um, no, I don't think so. No, I mean, if, if, if hmm. Warner and Harris are firmly entrenched in the team then they're just the openers for that tour you might you might I mean there'll be enough there'll be a backup there anyway I'm sure there's normally a backup opener that will go um they, they might think more about you know what the right balance might be for conditions over there as well you know, I think Max was on that last tour too was there's a you know a spin bowling option that batted in the middle order and played spin well so they'll they'll think I'm sure they'll think about horses for courses but you know one thing that I know about very good international cricket teams are there's very few that, that don't have good opening batters and good ones that very few good teams that have good opening bowlers. If you can get those two combinations right and you can lock them in for long periods of time, then that's when you have some success. So, you know, with, with Harris, as I said, looking the part and starting to look a little bit more confident, hopefully he's, he gets a really good long run at it now and it'll actually be good for his development to play some cricket in those types of conditions as well. Well, it's interesting that Will Pukowski as well, the, the guy who we've all forgotten about a little bit, is making his return in club cricket this uh, this weekend, I believe, in Melbourne. Um, I mean, is he potentially the one who becomes that backup batter? And, and as an extension, what does he need to do to show that he's ready for test level again? Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it, that Louis? Because he's coming back through club cricket and there's no state cricket for him for quite a while. With the big, Well, there might be soon the way the big bash is going. But, um, <laughs> um, 
yeah, look, who knows? But, I mean, all he, all he can do is get back into playing some good competitive cricket again, whatever that might be. Get back into the groove of, of batting, get back into the groove of scoring runs and and make, him, make sure that he's available for that for selection for that tour. I mean, it, it would... You know, if, if he does get some cricket under his belt, um, you'd like to think that he would that he would get picked on that tour if they think he's if they think he's ready and physically ready. Because um, I think the sooner we can get him back in and around the group, the better it's going to be for him. Um, so let, yeah, let's wait and see there. But obviously, the talent that he showed on debut against India, he looked he looked the part. And if you know, I've said it forever. We we just all we just all hope and keep our fingers crossed that he's that he's back able to perform at, at his best sooner rather than later. Yeah, and, and maybe just finally kind of circling back to how I asked you that question before about um, the opening partnership. I, I guess the thinking was when they went to the UAE, you can tell me if I'm wrong here, was that, you know, it was a conditions-based selection for, for Finch in particular and that they thought it was, you know, it was basically like opening in a white ball game given conditions weren't seeming around early on. You're, what you're saying is that the opening partnership is too important to kind of be tinkering around with for, for a tour here and there. Yeah, I, definitely, definitely, mm. mate. Because I, I think, I mean, Dave, if, if it is easy to score, then those guys are going to score easier anyway, right? Like, Davey, Davey's going to score quicker and, and potentially Marcus is going to score is going to score quicker as well. I and mean, they were talking about that when they're trying to cash in with runs against the new ball because they knew it was going to get harder against the spin and when the ball got older. So um, that's what they were thinking on the last tour. But I just think with a, a co- opening combination that's still quite embryonic and hasn't had a lot of success together yet, you know, they just put back-to-back, 50-run partnerships together, haven't they, in the last couple of games, which is some good signs for them, considering, you know, in England, I think last time they were there, they averaged about seven and a half as, a, as an opening pair. And, mm. you know, we always talk about how important the dynamic is between openers. In fact, you know, there was talk that, you know, some, one of the reasons Joe Burns got picked would be back in the, in the time was because of the dynamic created between Burns and Warner and how important that can be. So I, I, I certainly wouldn't be tinkering with it, especially if, I mean, if Marcus is going one of scoring runs, um, He's just got to play. You, you you can't leave someone out, you know, if they're going well. So um, that's certainly the way I'd be looking at it anyway. Very good. Interesting to see how it pans out. Thanks for your time, Ricky. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.